0: Hey, speaking of which, Bill Wimberly. How many guys were here last week? And we saw that apparently, as it went, uh, he had kind of a rough week while I was going on vacation. Yeah, remember that? Okay. Well, believe it or not, I'm doing some research this last week, I, I, it's actually been going on for quite some time. Okay, and so we're going to take a, look, a little proof of that, Bill. Okay, uh, Bill's been having a bad life. All right, and uh, it, it, you know, it, it, it all first started all when he was a little child. Okay, and apparently, this is how it went, uh, Ron. Now, you see, his dad was addicted to brake fluid, but he said he could stop any time. Okay, and then later as a young boy, Bill stayed up all night to see where the sun went. It dawned on him. Okay, And then later in school, he learned all kinds of neat things in school growing up, like uh, broken pencils or pointless, and that the reason why the Indians were here first is because they had reservations. Hello. Uh, and in science class, he was reading this book about anti-gravity. He just couldn't put it down. It was just an amazing time for him. Uh, and that you should never trust Adam's John because they make up everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'll tell you why. And then later in high school, he went out for sports. And one day, he wondered why the baseball was getting bigger. Mm, didn't hit him. Okay, and, and then he had this fear of hurdles, but he got over it. Okay, and uh, and then he decided to grow a beard. Now, at first, he didn't like it. Wait for it. Then it grew on him. That's right. You knew that was coming. Uh, yeah, that's pretty apparent there. And then the day finally came when he met Diane. You know what I'm saying? What a day that was. Uh, she was part of this vegetarian club, and, but he had never met her before. And, uh, and uh, man, boy, she even owned her own Taser. And I tell you what, boy, she was stunning. It was just amazing stuff. And, and, and then one day, Bill tried to impress her wearing these tight pants back in the day. He couldn't pull it off. And, and, and then soon they began to date, and he learned that Diane's family was German. And she shared with Bill that jokes about German sausage are the worst, and PMS jokes aren't funny, period. Okay? But uh, anyway, so finally they got married, and they go into, Bill goes into the military, right? And and they used his new, real name, William, obviously, which he disliked the phrase fire at will, understandably, right? And, and then while he was there, Bill actually survived getting hit with mustard gas and pepper spray, which is why Bill Wimbley right now is a seasoned veteran. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Give it up for Bill Wimbley. That's right. And uh, he's been having a rough life, making the best of it. Praise God. God's holding him strong. And, uh, but believe it or not, folks, Bill Wormley's not the only one who's been having a rough life, okay? Uh, for many people, it's going to get a whole lot worse. As we've been seeing, that's the theme, because a lot of people in our world today are rejecting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the Bible says you ain't seen nothing yet. Because of that, you are running the risk of being left behind, and you will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation. And that's not a joke, and it's not punny either, <laughs> i waited all week to share that give me a break right. but anyway that's right and uh, the reason why is because we've been seeing it is an outpoint of god's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet jesus said i'm not making this up it's the worst time in the history of mankind it's so horrible that unless god shortened that time frame the entire human race would be destroyed, okay? But because God loves us, folks, he gives us warning signs in advance to let us know it's getting close. We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but he tells us when it's getting close so we're not caught off guard. He says the phrase, see, I told you ahead of time, okay? So that we can know when the tribulation's near and make sure that we aren't left behind at the rapture. And so that's why we're going to continue our study. That's right. The final countdown updates okay we've already seen the first 7 updates and that was the jewish people the antichrist modern technology worldwide people the rise of falsehood the rise of wickedness and last time was the rise of apostasy not only is the world going to go down the tubes, unfortunately, with the increase of wickedness, but the church is going to go down the tubes as well in apostasy. It's happening right now today all over the world. And last week we saw the first uh, uh, way that that's happening is there's a massive flood of fake phony pastors right now in the pulpit. Number two, there's a massive turning away of even the basic truths of Christianity Even in the church, where it's gotten so bad in the church today, folks, it's now becoming illegal to tell somebody that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Remember that? Okay, and now the so-called worship services that are supposed to be about Jesus, it's all about making you happy, which is the number one law of Satanism coming from the pulpit. Do what you will shall be the whole of the law. It's all about you. Can you believe that? That's the apostasy the Bible said would come in the last days but that's no the second reason why people in the church today uh have apostatized turned from even the basic truths of christianity is because of not just apostate pulpits as we saw last week but apostate media okay and if you were here last week we saw some strange things okay we saw that the bulk of the church over half of the church in america today uh isn't following the bible okay and the reason why is because over half the church no longer believes those professing to be christians They no longer believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. That's how bad it is in the church. Okay. And so the question is, well, then what are these people in the church then turning to for their spiritual beliefs? Now, folks, as crazy as it sounds, I'm telling you what I've witnessed in years and years of ministry is their source of truth is the media. It's personal opinion, certainly self, what self wants, relativism. Education, secular education. I would say certainly that's an influence, but I'm telling you a major influence on people's spiritual beliefs today is The media and I would say I do see IE Hollywood's version of the media Which I hope we all know is anti-god anti-biblical, right? So if you're sucking that down and saying that you're a Christian and that's your source of spiritual truth What are you going to end up with? anti-god anti-biblical beliefs, right? That's where a lot of this is coming from. It's, it's pretty simple. You get your truth from the sewer, what do you start spitting out? Sewage. Okay, that's what's happening to the church. Yet the Bible says when it comes to spiritual truths, man, uh, we Christians don't accept anything, nothing, without filtering it according to the true word of God. We need to be like the brands, and that is needed desperately today in the church. But don't take my word for it. That's our opening text. Let's listen to God's. Acts chapter 17. Let's see why these guys were called noble. Why is it a good thing to be a Berean, especially today in the apostasy? Acts chapter 17. And uh, let's take a look at uh, what's going on there. And what was so special about these Christians that lived in Berea, the Bereans, okay? And uh, when you get there, say, Moo. Hey, what's... Oh, okay. That's a duck. I don't even know what to classify that as. That's a... Apostate chicken or something—I don't know what that was. But anyway, we still have enough time. Acts chapter seventeen. Let's take a look at the Bereans, man. Why are these guys so special? Why should we emulate them? Here's what we got there uh at uh, verse uh, ten. It says, as soon as it was night, the brother sent Paul and Silas away to where Berea. Now, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Why? Because if you know the book of Acts and Paul's life and his journeys there, that's where he would go to preach the gospel. So he's in here. He's teaching in Berea, right? If you will, getting up on the pulpit. All right. So here he is in Berea. And on arriving there, he goes to the Jewish synagogue. And now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians there. Well, why? Well, he tells you why. He goes, for they received the message, listen, not just with great eagerness, but they what? They examined the scriptures. How often? Every single day. Why? To see if what Paul, even the apostle Paul, to see if what Paul said was true. And what was the result of them sticking to the truth, filtering the truth, making sure they got the whole truth and nothing but the truth? What? And what's it say? And many of the Jews believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Why? Because the truth, not a watered-down version of the truth, sets people free. Right? Did any of us get converted over a false gospel? No, how does it happen? The true one and only gospel, right? The truth is what sets us free. But what we see here is our example, folks, in the scripture is that Bereans, we need to not only be, as they were, not only eager for the truth, but so much so that you want the truth and nothing but the truth that you filter everything, absolutely everything, even the words of the apostle Paul, when he came to them, i.e. a speaker to the pulpit, just to make sure that what you're getting is absolutely correct, right? How many guys would say that's a good practice to get into? as an individual christian right and that's why it's called a noble character not a bad character those guys were really being pharisees come on why are you so hung up on this no there's a noble character is what the text said okay why because again as we opened up before uh i started teaching this morning because the truth has serious consequences if you get the truth about jesus christ wrong where do you go Hell, okay, that's some serious stuff. So you need to have this noble character. As a Christian, you need to be a Berean, especially today. You need to filter the truth, make sure you're getting the whole truth, nothing but the truth, according to this book. Not your opinion, not society, not Hollywood, not anybody. I don't care who they are. You better filter that baby right here. So that you don't end up with a bunch of sewage. Now, that's the ideal. The problem is, that's not what's happening in the church today. Not anymore, folks. Thanks to the law of the church growth movement, we're now being told in the church, hey, who needs to be that picky nowadays? You know what I'm saying? Stop being so legalistic. What are you, just a wet rag? Trying to ruin our front? All right, so you get a little sewage from the pulpit. So what? Big deal. I mean, it happens to everybody. Oh, besides, it's all about you nowadays. And, and you need to just do whatever feels right for you and believe whatever's true to you. And right, oh, and keep coming to our services, by the way. Because it's all about the numbers. Now, if you think I'm kidding about this, folks, I'm going to share a couple examples for you. The latest trend in the American church. First of all, I'm going to start off with pastors. When it comes to sharing the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Okay, that's not the trend anymore. This just came out. Listen to this. One researcher said, study reveals that most American pastors are silent on current issues despite their biblical beliefs. So they know it's true, but they refuse to talk about it. What's that called? Hypocrite. OK, George Barner's organization recently asked folks, pastors across the country about their beliefs regarding the relevancy of the scripture to societal, moral and political issues, you know, like abortion and homosexuality and things of that nature. Right. And and then also he said, and the content, therefore, of their sermons in light of those beliefs, according to the Bible, he said, here's what they found. We're finding that when we ask pastors across America about all the key issues of the day. Right. 90 percent of them said, yes, absolutely, the Bible speaks to every single one of these issues. Yet when we ask them, are you teaching your people in the church what the Bible says about those issues, listen to this, 90% of American pastors says, nope. 90%. You know what's in there. You know it's what we define as to what's your belief supposed to be on abortion and homosexuality and societal issues and what's going on in our government. You know what's in there. 90% of pastors right now across America say, uh-uh, I'm not going to touch that with a 10-foot pole. You know why? He went on with his survey. Listen to what he says. Because here's the list, according to a survey. Okay, then what is your top priority if it's not the truth? You got that right, Bobby? Here it is. According to Barnett, the number one important concern in the church in order, according to 90% of the pastors, is attendance. Number one, it's all about the numbers. I'm telling you guys, this is everywhere. Attendance, number one. Number two, giving, number of programs, number of staff, and the square footage of facilities. Why? What, what's the big deal about that? Because don't you know, as we saw before, the church growth movement says you want to be a successful church, you want to be a successful pastor? Woohoo! You gotta have a big church, big numbers, big facilities. And the more staff, whoo, notches in your belt. You think I'm kidding, folks? I deal with this all the time. As a pastor. And it just gets mm, I don't know how to get into that. It breaks your heart. Where in the world are you? You're going to stand before God. Aren't you reading that in the Bible? He's not going to ask you the square footage of your facility. He's going to ask you, did you preach the truth, and how many people got saved? We're sidetracked. Okay, now, now listen. That's just the pastors. Pastors won't preach the truth, even though they admit it. That's ninety percent. That listen, guys. If you were visiting. Okay, which I'm not recommending. You need to get it plugged into a local church. But let's say this year you went to 100 different churches. 90 of them aren't preaching the truth on purpose. That's, what it, that's how bad it is. Now, that's just the pastors right now. Okay, the preachers won't preach it even though they know it. Okay, and you wonder why people have uh, messed up on their beliefs on societal issues, abortion, homosexuality, etc., Uh, But but what about the average pew sitter, if you will? What about the individual Christian, okay? So maybe your pastor isn't preaching it, but you're in there digging it, and whatever this word says, man, you are submitting to it. Because this is from God, and last time I checked, he makes up the rules. No, the trend in the church today, you think it's bad with the pastors? The trend in the church today is because, remember, it's all about you. And the church is making up the truth according to what they want it to be, just like they're selecting food from a cafeteria. Listen to this article. Okay, he says this, he says Christians today are picking and choosing religious beliefs, doctrines and practices, mixing and matching them as much as they would select food and cafeteria. I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this. That's New Age, by the way, came out of that. They borrow from different traditions, they add to them whatever religion they're used to, but they don't want anything to do with organized religion. Uh, Americans are writing their own Bible, they fashion their own God. More often than not, the God they choose is more like a best friend who has endless time for their needs, no matter how trivial. Scholars are calling this domesticating God. They have turned him now into a social planner, a therapist, a guardian angel. Quote, we have trivialized God. We assume that God is the butler who serves you for one reason, to give you a happy life. And then I love this phrase. We've heard this before. They've turned God into the divine Prozac. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Now, whatever happened to filter the message according to the Bible to make sure that what you're getting is right according to God's Word? Now, do you see why we desperately need in these times to be faithful Bereans? Okay, the apostasy's here. But that's not all, folks. It gets even worse. It's not just that we're not only not filtering the truth, being like Bereans, making it up in the church as we go, and the pastors, even though they know it, 90% of them say, forget it, I'm not going to do that because it's going to make the numbers go down. We're now sucking it up from a sewer pipe source, and then we're calling it as truth and of course that sewer pipe source i want to talk about today is the media from hollywood and it's one thing for hollywood to put out anti-god anti-christian heretical material i expect that i'm not shocked by it i don't like it i don't agree with it but they're hollywood they're not saved they don't know here's the problem though we're not being Marines in the church anymore the church is now sucking this stuff down this anti-god anti-christian heretical material from the media from hollywood and accepting it as true let me give you some latest examples, okay? And uh, we'll take a look at the first one, the apostate movie, Son of God. That was real popular in the church, right? But let's be Bereans today, shall we? Let's, let's, let's examine this thing. Let's filter it according to the Word of God and see what we end up with. First of all, it was obviously very successful, as we know. Uh, but it's not good, folks, because it's not faithful to the Scriptures. And you're thinking, well, that's just a little fudge here. Well, that's a little fudge here. Well, that's just a little fudge here. Well, that's just, I got a little bit wrong here. Really? Hey folks, listen, you add up all those fudges, you're way off target. I'll never forget Dr. Mal Couch in seminary. He was an airplane uh, 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 pilot and he says, listen, truth is very important and you got to stay exactly on target. And you're thinking like, okay, I, I take off from Dallas airport. And I'm heading to Sacramento. Okay, but I, I got my trajectory wrong. I'm only off by 1%. That doesn't seem like a big deal, right? You extrapolate that over time and distance. He says, you're never even going to come close to your target. And this is what this is. Oh, it's not that. Okay, yeah, they got that wrong. Okay, yeah, they got... it adds up. And you end up with something apostate. Okay, and that's what I want to share with you uh, today. Let's take a look at just, and this isn't all of them, folks. Okay, let's just be Bereans and examine this critter. How about Moses? How would they portray him in this movie? The Bible says that Moses was a meek man full of humility. But this movie portrayed him as a guy that held all the bravado of a John Wayne saying with confidence, I will deliver the people of God. And then Moses goes into Egypt to tell them he is their deliverer. Whoa! What's the Bible say? Who's their deliverer? God, not man. God is their deliverer. Then they have this five to seven minute conversation that is not in the Bible, and he speaks with arrogance, trying to prove to the skeptical people that he is their man of the hour, and he's kind of like some hero. That's not the Moses of the Bible. Okay, it's a little bit of foot. They all add up, folks. And you get a wrong picture of these people. How about Samson? The problem with Samson is that they spent 20 minutes detailing things that never happened in his life. Including the Philistines murdering his wife because they were racist against the Jewish people. That never happened. That's not what the Bible says, folks. They skipped over the fact that later Delilah betrayed him over and over and over again. And then they even said that Samson told Delilah the truth about his strength the first time she asked. That's not what the Bible says. And he said, Well, it's just a little thing. Little things add up. Okay, and give you the wrong impression. How about Saul? First of all, uh, they portrayed Saul as if God was being unfair. Okay, it was as if the poor guy was just waiting for Samuel for seven days and somebody needed to make this sacrifice and now God's punishing him. That's not right. And then it shows Saul crying on his bed asking for grace, but God won't give him any grace. And all because he wanted to give God a gift. And offering. It makes God look cruel and merciless. Saul had a wicked heart, folks, and he was responsible for his behavior, and he refused to be obedient to God. That's what the Bible says, anyway. How about David? In the Bible, David fought Goliath. Why? Because he's insulting the name and the honor of God. But in the army, they gave the impression he did it for defending Saul's army. And the, 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 the premise is they keep giving God's glory to God's people, okay, instead of God, throughout the movie. okay. Then the Bible says David disrobed and danced before the Ark of the Covenant in holy, humble worship, because he's a man after God's own heart, right? But the movie shows Dan- David dance around like a party animal in his underwear, dancing with women and lustfully making advances at Bathsheba. This doesn't happen in the Bible. Okay? What kind of a th- thing are you doing to David there? Well, that's the Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Well, Peter, first of all, towards the beginning of the film, a scene's depicted that got the call of Peter completely wrong. And I mean completely wrong. In the movie, Jesus and Peter go out in a boat alone together. Then Jesus addresses him as Peter and then produces a miraculous catch of fish, whereupon Peter ponders, hmm, am I going to follow Jesus or not? Uh, that's not the way the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus encountered Andrew and his brother, who is called Simon at that time. They were on the shore, not out in the boat. The brothers dropped everything and immediately followed Jesus. No pondering. Immediately the miraculous catch of fish comes later, as well as him giving the name Peter. You really got that one wrong. I think, just, okay, one, they all add up. What kind of son of God are you presenting here? The apostles, in the scripture, this is crazy. We have only 12 apostles, and they're all guys. Peter, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Jesus, Scare. In the film, there's 13 apostles, and the 13th one is a woman named Mary. What? And then on top of that, she's almost always with them, but she's uh, and with them in the boat during the storm when Jesus walks on the water. And that's not in the Bible. And this Mary is also very outspoken and often reproves the male apostles to have more faith because it's apparent her faith is stronger than hers. That's great if you're promoting feminism. It's not in the Bible. What kind of baloney is that, folks? The Pharisees, in the movie, the Pharisees want Jesus dead. Not out of sinful hatred and jealousy, as the Bible says, no, but out of Deep concern to spare the people of Israel from any further you know, pain and harm from the Roman government they just had those guys were absolutely wicked. <laughs> Read the scripture, man, Jesus has got some choice words for these guys, but they give sympathy to these guys, not only him about Judas. Listen to this in the scripture, Judas willingly betrays the Lord for a mere thirty pieces of silver it 's clearly depicted in the Bible, Judas as a thief and somebody who loves money more than people. Nope, not in the movie. Jesus turns to Jesus and convinces him, is the portrayal, for Judas to betray Jesus, and, and, and Judas adamantly refuses, but he just later gives in reluctantly. All right, Jesus. Excuse me? I don't think so, folks. And speaking of Jesus, at the crucifixion, the film quite deliberately shows the soldier piercing the side of Christ, and then no blood and water pour out. Now, why is that a stickler? Why do we need to be a brain on that? Because the Bible prophesied, folks, that no bone would be broken on Jesus. Okay, number one. But the Bible also says that Jesus really did die on the cross. The skeptic says that Jesus, oh no, he faked it. He swooned. Remember that theory we heard about before? Okay, but medically we know today, you talk about details in the scripture that are important. Medically, that know when a person actually does die, the water and the blood in the body separates. And so when you're really dead, it doesn't just come forth blood. What comes forth is blood and water. How many guys would say that's important to prove the actual death of Jesus Christ? No. Let's skip over that in the movie. The scene depicted the ascension was also wrong. The apostles did not get up after the ascension, start walking off and teaching all nations out of order. They went to the upper room, elected Matthias to replace Judas, and then waited for the Holy Spirit. Also in the movie, the reason for Jesus' death and meaning of his resurrection are completely missing. Not to mention there's no talk about his death. His atoning sacrifice to sin is not mentioned at all, which is why one researcher said this. (laughs) Why in the world are you supposed to be making a movie about the Son of God? And you said you were a Christian. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, why did they make such insane changes to the story? Why did the filmmakers take relentless and pointless liberties with the text? They, listen, did not do a single scene completely correctly. Let's see, all these little fudges add up. The next thing you know, you're off in La La Land. And you got a wrong picture of the Bible. Why? Well, here's the thing, folks hmm that's right bobby got a moment light bulb moment could it be uh it's due to the apostate apostate beliefs of the filmmakers oh i thought they said they were christian you better be a berean folks i came out of this stuff roma downey is not only a full-blown new ager like oprah Wan kenobi uh but she even admits folks that she listens to books on tape by eckert toll Okay, that is the big New Ager who's influenced Oprah with Hindu, Buddhist house, and Shinduist philosophy. In fact, this is a quote from Roma. She said, my husband says, I'm so self-realized that I'm practically levitating. Self-realization in New Age, folks, means that you have realized that you are God. You are part of the God force. That's, you're supposed to be a Christian? Making this so-called Christian? She's also went on to the University of Santa Monica. And she said, hey, here's her qualification. She got a degree in spiritual psychology. Folks, do the research. It sounds secular, but it's not. It's not a school like Cal Poly or USC. It's a school that specializes in new age degrees. That's where she got her training from. She also admitted that she talked to her dead mother through a psychic on live TV on the John Edwards show, Crossing Over, which is necromancy, by the way, which the Bible forbids. Hello. Okay. She even, and here's the actual book. She even went on to partner with him in writing a book called Practical Praying, using the rosary to enhance your life. And that's right, it came with a free meditation CD featuring yours truly, Roma Down. And you're the one making this movie? And you snuck into the church? And the church has gone nuts with it, saying this is great? Time to be a bream. As one person stated, these people are liars. They have a history of twisting the word of God in ways that can change the message of the gospel, which means you're getting a false gospel. Again, if you get a false gospel, what happens? You go to hell. It's not funny. And the nature, and the character, and the holiness, and the righteousness, and the justice of God. Quote, what they do with the Bible is terrible. Okay? That's just one piece of media that's hot. How about this latest one? Noah. Noah movie, right? Hey, folks, it'd be bad. Most of us caught on to that one. A lot of us got snookered by the first one. But this one, a lot of people caught on. But it was still being promoted in churches. The problem is, folks, not only is the producer of this movie an avowed atheist, but he even bragged how this movie is the least biblical movie ever. Uh, Director Darren Oronsky said, quote, the least biblical film ever made and claimed that his leading character, Noah, was the first environmentalist. Here's the interview. He admits it. Watch this.
1: We begin this half hour with the end of the world. It's a film version of one of the best known tales from the Bible's book of Genesis. The story of how all living things were saved from a great flood sent by God to punish humankind. Directed by Darren Aronofsky, whose previous work includes Black Swan and The Wrestler, this new epic stars Russell Crowe as Noah. We are pleased now to welcome Darren Aronofsky. Good morning to you, Darren. Good morning to both of you. So we both had a chance to see the movie. It's absolutely beautiful, even though it's a little bit dark. Speaking of Russell Crowe, I read that you promised Russell Crowe something when you asked him to make this film. What did you say to him? Well, most people, when they think of Noah, they have very big expectations. So I said Russell... I promise you'll never be wearing a robe and sandals standing on a houseboat with two big giraffes sticking up (laughs) behind you. And that's what this movie is about. It's about changing people's expectations. Because for me, when I was a kid, and I read the original story, I didn't really sympathize with Noah. I, I was thinking about the people that didn't get on because I was wondering if I would be good enough to get on the boat. Right. And so everyone was wiped out. So there's actually a very, very more intense story going on. There's been a lot of talk about how accurate this is to the mm. book of Genesis. I read you said this is the least biblical, biblical movie ever made. Yeah. How did you walk that fine line knowing that audiences might get upset because it wasn't accurate and other audiences might get bored because it was too Mm. accurate? Well, when I said the least biblical, biblical film, what I was saying was that we were reinventing the biblical epic because most people think of their grandma's biblical epic. I mean, I love Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, but it's been 50 years since a biblical epic's been on the screen. So we wanted to do something really new and really fresh. So for people, non-believers, it's something, you know, it's, it's a great action film with a great family drama. But there's actually nothing in the film that contradicts the Bible.
0: You just made a contradictory statement. You admitted that you changed the whole thing. But there's nothing... Okay, but let's be Bereans, shall we? That's what the Bible says to it. Let's see if there's anything contradictory in the Bible, folks. I only have time to share a few of them with you. Uh, in the film, Noah was robbed of his birthright by Tubal Cain... The serpent's body, Satan, uh, which was shed in Eden, was their birthright reminder. And it also doubled with magical power that they would wrap around their arm. Please, I hope this is not a shock to any of you here today, but I'm going to make the statement, that's not in the Bible. Not <laughs> I mean, what? That's complete make-believe baloney. Not only that, Noah's family, according to the movie, only consists of his wife, three sons, and one daughter-in-law. Contrary to the Bible, there were eight people on the boat. Uh, It appears that every species was crammed into the ark instead of just the kinds of animals. And that's important because you don't bring 250 dog kinds. You just bring one of the dog kind, male and female, obviously important. Uh, And it's the same way they mock the ark account just like the evolutions do today. Uh, Rocks that seem to be fallen angels, which would be demons, help build the ark with Noah. (laughs) Excuse me? Oh, but it doesn't contradict the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> Methuselah, Noah's grandfather, is a type of witch doctor whose mental health is questionable. Uh, Tubal-Cain defeats the rocks who were protecting the finished ark, and a wounded Tubal-Cain axes his way inside the ark in only about 10 minutes, and then he hides inside, and he stays alive, eating hibernating lizards. I'll say it again. I hope this is not a surprise, but that's not in the Bible. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Noah then becomes almost crazy as he believes the only purpose For his family's existence was to help build the ark for the innocent animals. You know, that's a good environmental message. That's not biblical. And Noah repeatedly tells his family that they were the last generation and were never to procreate. What's God say to do? Multiply, fill the earth again. And then when his daughter-in-law becomes pregnant, he vows to murder his own grandchild, but all right, then he later changes his mind. And then they say the ark lands on a cliff next to a beach. Excuse me, it's in the mountains of Ararat. And then Noah becomes distant from his family, lives in a cave and gets drunk on the beach. But remember, the director said, and we can trust everything in the media, uh, but it doesn't contradict the Bible. People swallowed this up, and they're still swallowing it up. So guess what kind of version of the Genesis account are they getting? Wrong. Okay. One more. Apostate movie, The Shack. The latest apostate movie, this one's about to come out. It's called The Shack, so I want to give you a little forewarning. Uh, And it's based on the book, The Shack, of the same title. Okay, now we saw this before, but The Shack is not only one of the hottest books on the market, it's being promoted heavily in the church. Bible studies on it, the whole nine yards. Now the problem is, when you're a Berean, you check it out, it's not only openly New Age in doctrine and teaching, but it presents God as a woman. And according to this movie that's supposed to be coming out soon, guess who they are going to portray uh, I here uh, as this uh, God who's one? That's right, Oprah Winfrey. It's almost like it's all tying together. The biggest female New Age priestess on the planet. Hey, but folks, don't be shocked because no need to worry. Because we see the trend in the church today. We are standing strong. We're being faithful Bereans. We are filtering anything and everything that comes our way through the Word of God. If it's a piece of sewage, we get rid of it. That's what we're supposed to do, but that's not what we're seeing. And we're not seeing it because we're living in the last days, the time of apostasy. It's getting still stinking bad. Listen, we're not just making up the truth as we go. 90% of pastors across America know the truth, but they refuse to preach it and equip the church just for numbers. But now we're ingesting apostate media from atheists and New Agers in, in Hollywood, and that's what we're promoting in the church, just spiritual truth. Can you believe that? Why, Pastor Billy, why? Why is the church going down the tubes? The, the world's getting full of wickedness. The church doesn't know anything. They don't even preach the gospel anymore. Why? Because you add all this up, and this is what you get. It just so happens to be happening in our lifetime. One more to go. Uh, the third reason why in the church we've uh, apostatized is because of apostate music. Got to hit this one again, guys, because, man, this is just insane. You talk about the sovereignty of God. We we're singing one of the, We sang one of the songs today, didn't plan it, that I'm going to talk about here, that people are turning from. But let's take a look at that text. Why do we sing songs in church? You guys ever wonder that? Isn't that a good thing to know? You come to church service and you're supposed to stand up, sit down, do this, pass this, do that. And sit down over here. Why do we do what we do? Well, this is going to tell you why we sing songs, folks. Not just a religious thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17 through 20. Therefore, do not uh, be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. First of all, don't get drunk on wine. Why? Because that leads to debauchery. Hello, stop that. So if you want to get inebriated, in other words... Okay, you want to get, get. hey, be filled with the spirit, right? You want to be filled with something? Be filled with the spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Why? Uh, because we're supposed to sing and make music in our heart to who? Who's the songs about? To the Lord. It's supposed to be about God, about Jesus. Why? Because we're always giving thanks for what he's done. To God the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So clearly, folks, Paul says the whole purpose of Christian music, listen, when we gather together and sing songs, is there, number one, supposed to be God honoring, God glorifying, and God exalting, right? Why? Because we are so stinking thankful as we saw before. I'm not going to hell. And the only reason why I'm not going to hell is not because of me or what I could hope to do or hope to achieve, but it's in spite of me. It's a gift of Jesus Christ, and he has given it to me free and clear. He did all the work on the cross. I have been rescued from eternal damnation and hell. Woohoo! Who wouldn't want to sing a song to him and say, I love you. Thank you. Man! That's exciting stuff. But not anymore. Thanks to the lie of the church growth movement, that's what Christian music supposed to be about. The trend in the church today is you're supposed to gut all your songs on purpose of the name of Jesus Christ. And you need to switch to generic terms like he or him. Right? Okay, and the reason why you do that is because, listen, folks, I mean, uh, the, the world doesn't like hearing, you know, the non-Christian when they come to services, they don't like hearing song after song about God and Jesus and the Bible and stuff like that. Oh, come on. That's bad marketing. What are you trying to do, run them off? Remember, it's all about the numbers, making them feel comfortable so they'll stick around and jack up our attendance. And so what they actually are telling people in the church today is you need to sing songs, all right, because that's what Christians do. Okay, but you need to sing songs that the world likes. You need to sing songs that fits their style. You need to sing songs that are, uh, meets their preferences, okay, and then you keep that up and you make sure that those songs are all self-centered. Woohoo! Your numbers will go through the roof. Isn't that awesome? You put that together with that fluffy fake preaching where it's all about you and you're here to make a happy life, throw the, that, that kind of music on top, man, you're going to grow like crazy. And isn't that what makes for a successful church nowadays? Now, folks, you might be thinking there's no way uh, the people in the church would do this today, but I'm telling you this is another latest craze for so-called worship services. Okay? But I have this, folks, in mind. Okay, you can call that a worship service all you want, but you need to be a brain and examine what in the world you're doing. Who in the world are you worshiping? You never mention the name of Jesus Christ. You only say he or him. I'm personally left wondering, who are you singing about? Is that your boyfriend? Is that your husband? Is that your fiance? Why don't you say the name of Jesus Christ? When in the world did it become a crime to say the name and sing the name Jesus Christ? And I've shared this before, folks. I think part of this is not just an apostasy issue. A part of this is a spiritual warfare issue. Because, listen, when you gut all your so-called Christian songs of anything convicting in the name of Jesus Christ and of God and of being God-centered, it doesn't just make the world feel comfortable. It makes, listen, demons feel comfortable. Why? Because they know, folks. There is no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, and there's no other name under heaven by which the demons must cower, obey, and flee, Jesus Christ. So when you gut your so-called worship service and your worship songs of Jesus, whoo, the demons must be celebrating at your celebration service. It's not about Jesus. Now it's getting bad, folks. This is getting. You're not just. They're not just gutting the name of Jesus Christ to make the world feel comfortable for the numbers. They are changing the lyrics. And I'm talking to some classic ones. Now, we've seen before, folks, and we just sang it today. Talk about the sovereignty of God. Didn't even request it. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. It's being changed. Okay, it's being changed. That amazing grace that saved a person like me. Another version is amazing grace that saved a soul like me. Another version out there is amazing grace that saved and set me free, skipping the whole thing entirely. Why? Because listen, folks, don't you understand? Calling yourself a wretch could hurt your self-esteem. And if your services are about you and it exists to make you happy, that doesn't make you happy. So don't damage yourself. I'm not making this up. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You guys remember that song, uh, Victory in Jesus? Let's see if we can sing it. I heard an old, old story: how a Savior came from glory, how He gave His life on Calvary to save a. Ra- hey, stop right there! What in the world are you guys doing? Are you trying to destroy my self-esteem? Come on! Are you trying to get the numbers going? On? Are you trying to drive people away? You know what they to change that song to that classic hymn to save one, just like me. You can't say wretch. That would damage self-esteem. How about this song? How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only Son to make a wretch his treasure has now been changed to make us all his treasure. They're skipping it, folks. It's happening right now. In fact, the classic song, In Christ Alone, this just happened a couple months ago. In Christ Alone, you're thinking, what in the world's wrong with that one, right? (laughs) Listen to this. Quote, it's no secret that the Presbyterian church uh, takes a more liberal approach to theology. But now they've rejected the hymn in Christ alone. Why? Well, there's one key line in the third stanza that's created this barrier. Quote, till on that day, or till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Now, originally, the Presbyterian Committee on Congregational Songbooks for the denomination asked the authors of the song to allow them to change the words to, quote, as Jesus died, the love of God was magnified. Not the wrath of God was satisfied, but the love of God was magnified. It still rhymes. What's the big deal? So, true story, folks. The songwriters said no. You know what? The committee acts the song from their hymnal. That's not tolerant anymore. Now, what's wild is if you do church history, which is important because the axiom is those who don't learn their history, they're doomed to repeat it. Same thing in the church, guys. If you do church history, it's the same tactic that the early church heretics used to get their infected false heresies into the church. And one of the practices that the heretics would do is they would put their false doctrines to music. And they would specifically put them to catchy tune music. Right? Why? Because we all know music, when you start singing that little ditty, uh, it gets stuck in your head. And so you sing that little song over and over and over again. I'll give you one example. I wish I were an Ostermeyer. Well, you know it, too. And it makes you barf because it's like, oh, here it comes again. It's not going to leave my head. All right. Jimmy crack corn and I don't care. Jimmy crack corn. Right? You know, if Jimmy cracked and corn you don't care, why'd you make a song about it? I've always wondered that one, right? <laughs> but they know that they get, it, especially if it's a little uh, ditty that just jingle, right? And this is what the early church heretics would do. They would put their false teaching to music and then get the church to sing it. And so they're repeating their heresies. It's being repeated today. It's being repeated today. But that's still on folks. We not only have so-called Christian musicians who are no longer using the name Jesus Christ and getting rid of that word wretch and other words like wrath and stuff like that because that doesn't build your self-esteem. But we got Christians, musicians, now saying that, hey, any sin's fine. In fact, even the sin of homosexuality. And you don't think that's not going to influence people? Everybody's influenced by music. Let's take a look at some big ones. Jars of Clay, this recently happened. The lead singer of the popular Christian band Jars of Clay, Dan Hasseltine downplayed recently the authority of Scripture on moral issues. This was on his little Twitter account, and you can check it out. And he suggested there was nothing wrong with same-sex marriage. He tweeted, quote, I just don't see a negative effect to allowing gay marriage. Uh, No societal breakdown, no war on uh, traditional marriage, anyone. And then later he says, I don't particularly care about Scripture's stance on what is wrong. What's What's the Scripture say, Bereans? You examine everything. And if it doesn't line up with that, chuck it, it's sewage. He says, "I care more about what it says how we should treat people." Okay. He also noted, "quote I've received so many messages, uh, great messages from gay Christians. You have encouraged me. So many gay couples display more loving characteristics and healthy relationship practices than most traditional marriage couples." He's not the only one. Uh, Jennifer Knapp, she's now describing herself as a lesbian, even though she's won in the past Dove awards and Grammy nomination. Uh, She's entered into a relationship with another woman. She says she's still a Christian. Okay, and she states this, quote, I am who I am. And if God is a God who judges and strikes people the same sex attraction, then he's going to strike me down. That doesn't sound like a humble heart. Excuse me. And this one just came out, folks. I mean, hot off the press, Vicki Beeching. She just came out and announced I am gay. She's one of the hardest Christian artists going right now. And that God loves me just the way I am. And that, quote, what Jesus taught was a radical message of Welcome and inclusion and love And I have a huge sense of calling To communicate to, that, to young people Well, I wonder how you're going to do that Oh, that's right, probably through music Right, because that gets. In the... Here's the actual interview Let's take a look Jesus, my passion in life Is to know you May all other goals Bow down to
2: This journey of loving you more So this week, Vicki Beeching, who's one of the most popular Christian worship leaders and songwriters today, has come out on Wednesday and announced that she is gay according to an article on Christianity Today. Beeching is known for a number of popular songs including Awesome God Your Voice and Glory to God Forever, which is one of the top songs sung in American churches today according to CCLI. She was mentored by Matt Redman and Tim Hughes and appeared uh, and her songs appear on popular compilation albums such as Wow Worship and Here I Am to Worship. Beeching says that she began to feel same-sex attraction around the age of 13 and grew up feeling conflicted in her evangelical culture where she says that church leaders would pray against the demon of homosexuality they believed to be within her. That's according to the CT Magazine. Beeching went on to study theology at Oxford and her website tells her as a quote, Oxford-educated theologian, writer, broadcaster and musician. So Beeching came out to her parents earlier this year and to the Archbishop of Canterbury Justin Welby shortly after that because Beeching is an evangelical Anglican and she still considers herself to be evangelical. She says quote, The church is still my family. Family do not always agree or see eye to eye but family stick together and I am committed to being a part of the church working for change.
0: So nobody's rebuking you. You're actually being called a great theologian. You got this massive audience, great influence. You ain't going nowhere. You're not submitting to what the scripture says on that issue. And so in rebellion, he says, Oh, yeah, I ain't going nowhere. I'm sticking around the church and I'm going to be a part of that change. I wonder what that change is going to be. It's called apostasy, folks. Listen. When you get the truth about Jesus Christ and the gospel wrong, what's the consequences? Hell. You might be popular here on earth for preaching a false gospel, but you're sending people to hell. That's not Christian love, okay? And folks, it gets so bad as we close here. It's not bad enough that just the words are being changed to help meet our self-esteem needs and that apparently any kind of sin goes now in the church, and that's going to be part of the new change in the church, even through music, not just the media. But we have apostatized so much that even many, and frankly, most of the so-called Christian bands in America today aren't even Christian at all. They're lying. I got one guy who admits it, and what he says is absolutely shocking. Quotes: convicted Christian singer admits to being an atheist just to dupe his fans to sell his music. Tim Lambesis, he's the front-liner of a, a Christian band, quote-unquote, called As I Lay Dying. He was convicted of attempting to hire a hitman to murder his estranged wife, and he admitted that the band duped fans into believing they were Christian in order to sell their music. Quote, he says, truthfully, I'm an atheist. And he says, I wasn't actually the first guy in the band to stop being a Christian. Well, wait a second. How do you stop being a Christian? What's the Bible say, Berean? You were never saved in the first place. Right? Uh, for, he says, in fact, I was the third. The two who remained kind of stopped talking about it, and then we... Pretty much, we all dropped it. Then one sin led to another, turning his renunciation of Christ into justification for his actions. Quote, the first time I cheated on my wife, my interpretation of, whose interpretation? The Bible? My interpretation of morality was now convenient for me. I felt less guilty because I decided, well, marriage isn't real because Christianity isn't real and God isn't real. Therefore, marriage is just a stupid piece of paper with the government. But he continues, that's bad enough. He continued to profess to be a Christian, as did others in the band, quote, in order to sell records to Christian music fans. Quote, he says, listen, I remember one Christian festival where an interviewer wanted one of the guys in the band to share his testimony. He just froze, and we laughed about it later because it was so awkward. He has no testimony. He says, in fact, when kids would want to pray with us after the shows, I'd be like, um, you go ahead and pray. And then he'd just close and say, amen total chicanery he said in fact that here's what gets creepy during his tenure with the band he realized that a number of the bands that also professed to be christians on the christian music circuit were quote faking their faith just as he was listen to his statistics he says we toured with more so-called christian bands who weren't even christians at all in fact there were more non-christians posing as christians than there were actual christians he said the 12 years of touring i would say listen to this this is wild i didn't make this up One in ten Christian bands that we toured with were actually Christian. Flip that around. Ninety percent of Christian bands aren't even Christian. That's the same amount of pastors who refuse to preach the truth. That's kind of weird. And then listen to this, parents. He says, a lot of Christian parents said, yes, yes, you can buy this CD because they're a Christian band. Listen to this. A moment of truth. He says... But they didn't think to actually check lyrics. Why? Well, because the early church heresies and the heretics did the same thing. You take your false teachings, put them to music, get people to sing it, and that gets in their brain. And Peter specifically said, "You better be on the lookout." As we close for this kind of behavior, this is how it sneaks into the church in the last days. Second Peter chapter two, verse one through three. But there were also false prophets among the people back in the day, just as there will be. False teachers among you, church, you better look out. And here's what these guys are going to do. They're going to be in your midst. He says they're going to secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many in the church will follow their shameful ways and will bring their way of truth in disrepute. In their greed, it's about money, they're ripping you off. These teachers will exploit you with stories they have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. So how in the world, in the last days, are these heretics going to get inside the church and secretly introduce behind the scenes their false teaching in the church? Well, i got a theory that goes like this. I think what they're going to do is they know history, and they're going to repeat the same old tactic. They're going to get the church to not be Bereans anymore, Okay, and instead accept and ingest apostate media music and exploit them. Charge them for it. Give me the money. Just like the text said. It's getting so bad, folks. And I close with this. I know I keep saying that. Listen, experts are now saying, listen, China is becoming more Christian than the United States. China may soon become the home of the world's largest Christian population despite attacks over their own religious freedom. Estimates vary that there are thought to be 50 to 100 million Chinese believers in China, listen to this, with up to 10,000 people coming to faith across the country every day. Why? Because these people are putting their life on the line. These people refuse to budge from this truth. And when you give out the truth and nothing but the truth, the whole gospel, the one and only gospel, what happens to people? It has the power to save them. And people are getting saved by the truckloads over there. What kind of gospel are we preaching over here? And listen to this. They say, listen to this. It gets even worse than that. He says that they not only warned that America is on decline, but our country may no longer soon be the last bastion of hope for the Christian faith, and, quote, pretty soon we may need to start supporting the American church with our finances, our missionaries, and our theological resources. China. We need to send missionaries to America. This is the last days the possible. The pill to swallow is it's happening in our lifetime. Okay, the good news is Jesus says, "Hey, you start seeing this stuff happen, I'm coming back to get you." The true church, not the fake church, the true church, lift up your heads. Okay, when these things be happen, your redemption draws near. Okay, He's coming back to get us, folks. That's exciting stuff. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, please, I beg you, heed these signs, heed these warnings. Give your life to Jesus now. You think it's bad? You ain't seen nothing yet. The world's going down the twos, but so is the church. And then when the church is taken out of here at the rapture, the restraining influence goes, there's nothing to hold evil back. And it's going to get rotten. You don't want to be here. A Christian, let's get busy being faithful Bereans, not accepting sewage, not rationalizing sewage, but sticking to the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. In these last days, you want to make a difference? It's not going to be a false gospel. It's not going to be a compromised gospel. It's going to be the one and only true gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's get out there and make a difference so that other people can be set free like us and join us in true Christian godly worship, praising his name forever and ever and ever. Amen. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and get life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and, and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless